This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Walton's Aluma Trailers, North Dakota Tourism, Federal Ammunition, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. We're currently in between hunts in western Minnesota at a place Scott Franzen calls the Legends Lodge. We'll explain the name, how his hunting camp came to be, and we'll give you a pheasant hunting report from the first few weeks of the season. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host, Brandon Morton, is our producer, and he is not here. Scott, we should have actually brought Brandon along on this hunt. Maybe down the road. We're yeah. trying to get that figured out, right? Yeah, this is a, a, a first season at a special place. We are sitting at the Legends Lodge, or EP Legends EP Lodge. EP Legends Lodge, yeah, okay. Seaton Prairie. Okay, so this is not an official hunting camp. You are not an outfitter. You are not a guide. Ron was just uh, ex- talking about your guide skills here. Uh, Wake up, Ron. <laughs> a couple of minutes ago, we are lounging in between hunts. The wind is blowing, I don't know, it's 20 sustained probably, gusting up. There was a few gusts that, Ron, you've been around a couple of years longer than I am. How? How? What was the... Miles per hour on the wind out there this morning. 104. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like it. It felt like it. It blew me sideways a couple times. I looked over at the cameraman. I'm like, how is that? Holding that up on top of your shoulder with the wind. (laughs) Very shaky show. I can say that. (laughs) When I was holding that fence for you guys to go through, it kept blowing me, almost pushing me over. (laughs) We are in between hunts. We are out in western Minnesota at um, this new hunting lodge that... Scott just uh, acquired with some buddies. And I think it's interesting because I I have hunting buddies. Most people that hunt, they have their hunting buddies. And there's always this dream for, I would say a lot of people have this dream to have kind of your own place that you can go, that you can hunt at. Um, and you made it a reality. How long were you considering doing something like this, Scott? Oh, you know, not, not as long as my partners have. And first I'll go back and we, we use uh, Legends Lodge in quotations, Mark, sure. Travis. This, you know, it's w- what we have here is a, a cute little house in a small town in western Minnesota. Um, but what it acts as is a home base mm-hmm. and a home base for us to come, let the dogs out, let them up on the couch, do what they want to do, and then go out and hunt You know, when we're here. And there's tons, as you've seen, mm-hmm. tons of public land around here. And we're kind of public land hunt hunters. We have a few pieces of private land that people are kind enough to let us hunt, but I would say 85% of, of our hunting out here is on public land. Bill, come on over here for a second, please. I want to ask you a question before we change topics. I know you're getting ready to make us a, a righteous meal here, but um, uh, before I ask you a question, Bill, what, what's up with the name EP Legends? Okay, <laughs> well... We, uh, my partners and I went to Eden Prairie High School and actually these are not the guys that I did, um, the, the boys of show. Eden Prairie yeah, yeah, with the television show. That's another group of friends. And we were very lucky to go to, um, this high school in Eden Prairie at a time when it was small and you knew 
people two or three years ahead of you or two or three years behind you. And my partners, Greg and Scott, are a couple of years older than me in high school, but we got to know each other through sports. And I played basketball with Greg, football with both Greg and Scott. And through the years, we've stayed in touch and got back into touch. And, and they were the ones that, you know, kind of got me interested in doing this. They'd been looking for a good year and a half. I think we talked about this at other podcasts, um, maybe even two years for uh, property or a house or something um, in this area in Western Minnesota where they like to hunt. And they had a friend that uh, ended up not being able to uh, work into the partnership. And they asked me and I said, you know, now the timing's right. I, I might want to do that. And I kind of slid in and it worked out. Well, Bill, I need you to come over here now. You got Stop cooking. Stop Bill. cooking for just a minute. We're all, we all add something to the, um, to the team over here. There you go. There's that extra remote. Or the microphone. Um, so Bill's, Bill's on uh, meal prep here for tonight after the hunt. Before you came out to this, this hunt camp, what, what it was going through your mind, Bill? Yeah, I want to hear that. What yeah, was going like, through all your mind? I have been to a lot of hunting camps. And so there's, I've seen anything from holes in the floor and the walls, you know, the wind's blowing through and the critters can come in to, um, you know, different levels. But Bill, any expectations on coming out to Scott's hunting camp here? Well, I expected a dishwasher. Yeah. Other than myself, but that didn't happen. Uh, you know, these small towns, beautiful, small homes, mm-hmm. right? This one is very well kept. Very. Surprisingly so for Scott, really. I did most of it. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, right? You think about this house. What's going on in here when the guys aren't in pheasant camp, right? It sits just waiting to make more memories. But, you know, a group comes in, you get a camp like this. Now this house has a new life. There are new stories. You know, there are going to be a lot of memories made here. There are photos. That's what I love. Yeah, there's photos on the wall right over Scott's shoulder. Is uh, Is that your high school football team? high school football? Yeah, that was uh, my partner's junior. So that in my freshman year. I was not playing varsity football at that time, but my number 83 is Scott Mickelson, and he's front and center in that picture. That's why he put it there. So the part of the gag with the EP Legends Lodge is we bring out old high school memorabilia, and we hide it in each other's rooms. <laughs> it's <laughs> all or over put, here. Or put it up on the wall. Like I put my basketball picture up on the wall just to bug him, and, and then it became uh, kind of a thing. So if you go into the different rooms, you'll see – Deca awards, uh, basketball pictures, football pictures strewn about the house. I am surprised with- how many photos are black and white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah. I bet we could do a TV show just about hunting camps. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a Cribs hunting camp style. Yep. I bet we could do a whole season easy. But this one's cool. It's got a lot of hunting uh, and... Um, Sports related stuff. I mean, hunting artwork and it, sports artwork. It's yeah. very personal. A lot of um, hunting quotes on the wall and smart a word type <laughs> stuff. I will say. The one in the bathroom's the best. Yeah, <laughs> my dog and I talk a shit about you. <laughs> yes, I know. Speaking of the bathroom, <laughs> I would oh. trade this house for mine because 
I have never experienced a shower like no. this. I'm, I specifically shower? the shower head. The shower. You came out this morning and you're like, "Get ready, it's going to change your life." It's like a candle opera <laughs> hanging it's like in there. Standing it's under kind the of most, like that, isn't it? It's, it's like amazing. standing under the most glorious waterfall. Yes. It's. I'm. I don't even know. Ron, I'm you should try a, a shower one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not winter it's 75 degrees outside the other thing about this place i love i don't know if you've noticed this but about every 15 minutes there'll be an old pickup truck that comes cruising by the front of the house at a cool five miles an hour checking out the new neighbors yeah i love that and yep. every everybody here that we've met has been really neighborly and yep. you know one one of our neighbors cuts our lawn for us we're not here and we pay him the other one checks you know, something happened and he called and said, you might want, you know, can I go in and run water in your pipes? Because I think they turned off the gas. You might have some gas. It's just, it's just unbelievable how nice people have been here. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about the furnishings too, Travis, we've been able to furnish the stuff in here from hand-me-downs, from like my, my parents died in the last two years and we sold their house. So you know, this table and the rug are all from my mom and dad's house. And then Greg, um, one of the, the recliners is his, the other one's Scott's. And then Greg, my partner, Greg, became, uh, you know, a um, uh, garage sale junkie. And, oh, my God, every other so – get a text. I, yeah. I just got the best deal on sheets. I just got the best <laughs> deal on blankets, 10 for a quarter or something like that, you know, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Stop, please. Ron, um, you have been to a lot of hunting camps over the years. This is not like a operation that's open for business, but I'm assuming you've seen quite a few different hunting camps. Are there any that you have great fond memories of yourself? Well, I have one. It's a turkey hunting camp, and it's the oldest one in America. Yeah? Um the Turkey uh, but, Track Club. Yeah, Turkey Track Club, it's called. Um, but getting back to this one, I mean, this is a very quaint, beautiful, as you mentioned, uh, a small ha- a house in a small town, uh, taken well taken care of, and it's full of their sports stuff. But I was going to say, I don't see any hunting or shotgunning awards, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, sharpshooting things. I don't see here. <laughs> Uh, but oh, that's uh, for later tonight. Ron. I don't see any pheasant tail feathers or anything like that, you know. But uh, you know, they've only been here for three weeks, so maybe it'll take them a while. Well, I think if the walls could talk and repeat all of the wisdom you poured into us last night, it's a that's a lifetime right there. Ron. I don't remember everything I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. This morning you tried to tell us a joke, and we already knew the punchline because Ron. You told I us told that one last, last night. night. <laughs> well, it's a good joke. It's yeah. worth telling twice. <laughs> That's <laughs> when you know you're. it's a good hunt camp. <laughs> yeah. We can't repeat it on this episode right now. I apologize. Uh, you'll have to call Ron and ask him yeah. to repeat that joke. Um, Ron, first hunt of the season for you out here, right, for pheasants. Um, what were your expectations coming out here, and have they been met? Well, uh you know, I don't have the opening day syndrome uh, that a lot of pheasant hunters do have. I, I used to have that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, my, the season opens. Got to get out here. Well, the way it's going now in, in farm country here, the opening weekend is usually 
all the corn is still standing, all the soybeans are still out. Uh, the pheasants, yeah, they they roost in the grass, but they spend most of the day in the cornfields. And if they're standing corn, that's where they're at all day. And so any smart hunter, you don't even go out until just before sundown and uh, as these birds move back into the grass. So driving out here, I noticed a lot of the corn, I don't know what percentage, but I'm guessing 90-some percent of the mm-hmm. corn is out. All the soybeans are out that I'm aware of, and so that's 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 good. So, um, I tell you what I'm surprised about in Western Minnesota, Southwestern Minnesota, is the amount of uh, uh, walk-in areas they call them, CR and these mostly CRP ground. Um, we've lost a lot of CRP, but uh, thankfully there's still a lot of it out here, and it's great cover. Most of it is for um, for pheasants nesting. And some winter cover as well. So that's uh, refreshing for me to see because Minnesota has always been kind of the poor boy pheasant state and still is, I think, compared to North Dakota and South Dakota. But it might be getting better than Iowa. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I mean, so the first couple of seasons or a couple of weeks of the season, um, you know, the reports have been just outstanding. And so my expectations coming into this were probably higher than they normally would be for Minnesota. This weather, though, that we are hunting in is about as challenging as you can get. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But beforehand, Ron, you um, were talking last night about the Lassard Sam's Council. How many years have you been serving on that now? Well, t- 12, but you you almost have to go back and explain what it is. Yeah, would because, you? Um, uh, well, in 2008, there was a proposal that amazingly got through the legislature uh, to allow Minnesota voters to vote on to increase their own sales tax. I mean, uh, three-sixteenths of one percent doesn't sound like much, but and it isn't much, but uh, how often do people will vote yes to more taxes, increasing their own taxes. Mm-hmm. But it passed. It passed overwhelmingly. And it passed one reason it did, because Minnesota, a lot of, most Minnesota people are outdoor-minded with their 10,000 lakes, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and the promise was um, the increase of your sales tax would be going to four things, uh, fish and wildlife habitat, clean water programs, uh, uh, parks and trails, and and uh, the arts, and clean water got one third of it, and and uh, the fish and wildlife habitat got one third, and that's the part I'm involved in is the fish and wildlife part. It's called the Lassard Sam's Council. It's a citizens group with four legislators. We hear all the proposals for using public money to put habitat back on the ground. Uh, improving uh, lakes, improving trout streams, improving, uh, uh, restoring wetlands, restoring prairies, on and on and on. Um, uh, But what I was going to add is that the three-sixteenths of one percent, what that meant for us is that when you buy something in Minnesota for $10, you are now paying four more cents than you would have otherwise. Nobody misses the four cents. The four cents, however, in a year accumulates to more than $300 million. 
Wow. It's magical and it's painless. And so the Lassard Sam's gets one third of it. So this 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 fall, we uh, will have a we are proposing to dish out roughly a hundred and forty eight million dollars. That's our one third. And so it's uh, it's it's just a great gift. And some of the and, and some of this should come home to pheasant hunters because mm-hmm. as I, as we're driving around, I'm seeing. Uh, 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 DNR public hunting areas, uh, etc. Some of those are bought with this money we're talking about. Does well, it any go- of that? Well, we need that hundred and eighty million. Maybe come back to a little hunting shack in Western Minnesota. You have to apply, but since I'm on there, you'll get my vote, of course. <laughs> no, I tell you what. Um, uh, there's two things. One is protected by the Constitution that. Uh, we have to spend the money on habitat. We can't spend it on uh, brochures or anything else. It has to be on the ground or in the water, and and it's and we're protected by the by the uh, constitution there. But also because it's public money, the legislature looks at what we're intending to dish out, and they have to approve it. And so far, they've approved it. All the time. There have been a few legislators who try to put their own pet projects in there uh, that haven't been vetted or anything else. And that's why the citizen council that you're on is so crucial to this, right? Well, it is, but the the legislature rules, so I mean, Mm -hmm. so they could do it, but most governors recognize the value of the council and say, no, legislators, you're not going to start putting your pet projects in here. So they've been vetoed. Mm-hmm. So they haven't tried much for 12 years. So you, you can serve how many terms? Well, as long as I want to, but I okay. think I'm going to. I've had four terms now. They're you're going to four-year terms. What, anything stand out to you during this, this whole 12-year process that you really are proud of? Yes. And that is, um, it, it's real. And it and it's and it's solid. And there's twelve of us, and the people that want the money, whether it's the DNR, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever, other sportsmen's groups, whatever, they come before us with their proposal. Mm-hmm. We read the proposal, and they're telling us what how they're going to spend their money and what whatever. And and uh, so they're grilled, and 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 everybody is pretty aware that this is the public's money. So the public's money is, is deserves protection because Lord knows we've had a few cases lately of public's money being uh, siphoned off for uh, fraud cases. We don't have those. In the, in the Lassard Sams, you do not have, you've not had any of that? No. Do you have any, um, and I, you didn't know we were going to talk about this, but it just, it was interesting to me, the conversations that we've been having, I thought... I think other people would be interested in it too. So that's why I'm bringing it up. And and I don't expect you to have the numbers in front of you, but do you know what percentage goes into lake, hab, you know, or uh, habitat like we're hunting today, yesterday? I don't have it to, to memory, but uh, between wetlands and prairies, probably um, 60 to 80% of the money goes to those things. I mean, if you look at Minnesota, uh, we've lost... 90 plus percent of our natural prairie, native prairies, and and 90 
lost drained 90 some percent of our wetlands so those two things are uh if we can still re- restore some restore some prairies etc uh that's high priority and uh, you know down here in farm country it's most of the land is corn and soybeans mm-hmm. so whatever we can put into grassland is good for all a lot of things when when you put that into grassland is that a forever move yes when we uh, uh, we either purchase it, that's forever, mm-hmm. uh, or we get we get uh, easements, but they are lifetime easements or forever easements. Um, not not like CRP, where ten years they can plow it up. It's uh, when we get a grassland easement, um, the landowner gets good money for it, but it's forever. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we appreciate all of your years of service there and, and all that you've done and everybody else on the council. Anything that you're concerned about moving forward? Well, it has to come up again in a few years by the voters to renew it. A lot of people are concerned that uh, that could be something that wouldn't happen. But I have complete faith that Minnesotans will see the value of this mm-hmm. and uh, um, and they'll vote to do it again. One thing that I've learned about people that want to invest their own money into something is they like to see a tangible result. You know, like I talked about this with Pheasants Forever, they do all these projects with the state, with Lassard Sam's money, you know, with, with all these organizations. And it usually goes into a WMA state sign, you know, and people don't know that Pheasants Forever was involved with building that, putting that together. And I say, if you see that, it's more you're more likely to say, yeah, I want to invest some money into Pheasants Forever because I know that this was built by the money that I put in, other people's money. Are there any projects that people can look at and say, that was done by Lassard Sam's money, that they would then in turn make sure that they know where it's going, that then they would say when that vote comes back up, oh, yeah. That's something I want to do. Yeah, well, I think you, they could go online and uh, get a list of the projects and, and how the money is spent very easily. A lot of the projects will have signage. You know, you, mm-hmm. you've seen DNR signs. We haven't, I haven't seen any legacy amendment signs, but there are some of the places that were funded with that money. There's a sign there that says that. But, you know, people are busy. They don't know. But that's why every chance I get uh, public speaking, um, if the crowd is right, I bring up the story about um, this because, as I call it, this is the greatest gift Minnesotans have ever given to themselves. And it is. Mm-hmm. Iowa tried it, and it it passed Iowa voters, but there was a clause in there that it didn't go into effect until the Iowa legislature agreed to raise the taxes. And, of course, they don't. So it, does, it hasn't happened. Any other states have this? Missouri has something very similar, and, it's, and it was the first one, and it was very successful. Um, I think Wisconsin has tried it or uh, is thinking about it. A lot of states envy it, I'll tell you that. Hmm. I well, mean, we spend... Millions of dollars. Well, I said 147 million this year. Yeah, just one year. Yeah, and uh, in South Dakota over there, they're they're happy if they get 
a million dollars for some pheasant habitat, and they want most of that money to come from non-residents, not themselves. So, hmm. well, it's it's definitely a, a gift, like you said. I mean, that's a, it's a great way of explaining it. The flush, so fast it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we change the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight control flex wad technology and a mix of copper plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, deadly shot strings through any choke. Longer shots, more power, fewer missed birds. Only from Federal. It's the calm before the Thanksgiving rush. Now is the time to get all of your Turkey Day essential shopping done at Walton's during their pre-Thanksgiving sale. From their 7 and 11 pound stuffers to the number 12 grinder and 600 pound scale, they are all deeply discounted. The number 22 grinder that John Tremblay and the Walton's team uses in all their videos, yep, it's $100 off. Must-have accessories such as suction cup feet, waterproof thermometers, and hog ring pliers have been marked down too. Take an amazing $100 off Walton's 50-pound mixer and get the heavy shopping out of the way right now before turkey season. If you order now through November 16th, Walton's guarantees that your purchases will arrive before Thanksgiving. So check out the pre-Thanksgiving sale today at waltons.com. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I use it on every hunt. Seriously, every hunt. Their app tells me everything I need to know about the lands that I want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on. The app also shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state land or federal lands or walk-in access properties. It's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during the hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. And there's a timber cut layer to help you find the right forest habitat for rough grouse. If you hunt in North Dakota, there's even a layer that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx apps give you. And these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx maps always help you to know where you stand. Um, Scott, let's get back into uh, what you've been seeing out here because you have been on the road now for the better part of a month, I'd say. Uh, at least no. it, it feels like it. I met up with you randomly at a restaurant in Western North Dakota and, last week. And, and I ended up buying, I think, didn't I, Trav? <laughs> Shocking. That was your choice. You didn't have to. Um, Do you notice your dog is really growing attached to me here, too? Yep. She loves love. Yeah, she yep. does. Two dogs are just curled up over here, which is a sign of you know that they've had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what... Uh, what does your uh, pheasant hunting season look like over the last couple of weeks and until we get to where we are right now in Western Minnesota here? Well, I, um, I, I, last couple of weeks, I spent a couple of days out here for the Minnesota pheasant opener. Um, actually the Sunday after the opener, um, and hunted Sunday, Monday, and it was a little bit similar to what we're seeing now. It was dry, windy, kind of warm. Not as windy as it is today, but we, you know, we got birds. Um, we hunted all public land one day and then all public in a private piece the other day. <clears throat> I think we shot, you know, all of our birds or maybe we were one sh shy, um, but the crops were not all in then. They were kind of coming in. And then I had a trip up to 
North Dakota, as you said, and and um, saw a lot of birds up there, and then a, a lot of Huns and sharp tails, and I think you and Tyler touched on that last mm-hmm. week. Um, and um, but again, we hit weather. <laughs> we there was snow and wind and sideways, so we lost a full day of hunting, kind of because it was just just we tried to hunt, but it was hard. Um, and then it, then I came out here and um, last up until when you guys got here, when the weather was normal. The birds were out. They were doing normal things, going into their cover um, in the evening, kind of going back into the grasses around 10 in the morning after being out in the corn and whatnot. And then it gradually just got warmer and warmer until yesterday and we hunted and it was, what, 75, I think? Yeah. No wind. It, it's, it's been mid to upper 70s looking at records. Now, when this podcast, when Brandon gets a hold of this and puts it out, we might be a couple days after this heat wave that we're hunting in right now. But currently, it's, I, I want to say yesterday it was 75. 75, I think. Yeah. And, and no wind. No wind. And today it's just ripping out there. Yeah, I'm watching and, the pine trees both sideways out there now. I mean, yeah. I think it's, I think it's sustained at 30. The 40 miles an hour right now. So I think I've got a skewed view or perception maybe of the pheasant report um, because the first couple weeks of the season, the fields are full of hunters. There's a lot of dumb birds. Uh, they do wise up very quickly. But if you look at anywhere on social media, everyone's like, greatest season ever, best pheasant opener ever, Be- like limits for 15 guys on public lands. And I'm like, is this one of the greatest pheasant seasons that we've had in a long time? And some people are saying best I've ever seen best I've seen in 20 years. Um, this is actually my first hunt in Minnesota this year for pheasants. So I don't have any, you know, I go into it. I'm thinking, is this going to be as good as it gets? You know, no, I, I think, you, I think you're really seeing the worst of the weather and you've seen it with the dogs, Trav. I mean, mm-hmm. Daisy, how many times did she go on point yesterday or today? And just, you know, the bird kept bumping and she couldn't keep up with it and yeah. the wind and everything. And, and, um, on, on Sunday I was out driving around just kind of scouting different places and I saw dozens and dozens of birds up picking gravel, moving into cover. I mean, it was, I was really excited for you guys to get down here. Um, because it was like, I had half a dozen good spots mm-hmm. picked out and, we started out a little late yesterday because um, you can call him out on it because Bill had to do his hair and <laughs> didn't get down here before nine, so we didn't get in the field till about ten thirty. And then by the time we got into ten thirty, and we into a, a spot I had seen two dozen birds in the day before, um, we got up like six, I yeah. think, and, and and it was hot. It was really hot. Uh, so it it's just I I'm really bummed that the weather isn't cooperating and it's it's gotten drier because it rained last thursday and i think that really helped things out over the weekend and then as it's gotten warmer and windier it just dried everything out yeah we haven't had any dew the last two no. nights either and dew obviously is a big deal for scenting conditions yeah. no frost, either. frost it was cold it was like 28 degrees in the morning but or 30 or somewhere in there but zero frost and or zero humidity or moisture anything which is a huge deal for the dogs the birds are running um and they're there 
mm-hmm. last night when we mm-hmm. walked this this piece of property, um, we were pointing to the bringing it down, you know, this big hillside, and we thought there's a there's a uh, end of this grass. And you said, Ron, go to the end of the trees. Go stand down there on the end of the trees. We're going to bring it to you. Where was Ron? I was somewhere not at the end of the trees. <laughs> he Ron, got, he, he got lost. Where were you, Ron? Well, I, <laughs> using all of my pheasant hunting savvy um, and the wind, I figured uh, they're going to... They bust out early. They're going to come over this way and not at the end of the trees. And it turned out I was dead wrong. Um, <laughs> Wait, can you say that again, Mr. Sheriff, please? It was, it was, I, it was, I can't hear you now. I was scratching. Uh, Lost connection. Yeah. But, yeah, I picked the wrong spot um, to stand. And uh, it's not the first time. won't be the last. It, it's, it's uh, you know, I regret it. It would have been... Would have been fun to see me miss a bunch of birds. <laughs> How many do you think got up there, Scott? Oh, that one. Well, where Ron was supposed to be, there's probably a dozen to sixteen, eighteen. Sure. But then, as those birds flushed, we probably saw another fifty birds on the hill in front of them get up and move just beyond the yeah. yeah. So from my vantage and the camera's vantage, they're all like waiting for Ron to start opening up. Like yeah. it's going to be just incredible piling them up birds. Bill, what was your thought going? You saw it. Well, I think that's the point behind the positive reports that you're yeah. reading, right? We saw a quality number of birds, right? 50 to 80 mm-hmm. in a one hour hunt in an evening. I don't care where you are. That's, pretty incredible yeah but what i'll say is we saw all those birds we went to where those birds were now we were a little underdogged but how many did we get trap one yeah could have had another one that we chose not to shoot at for safety reasons but those birds were running around in there and Mm -hmm. it's so dry the dogs had a tough time pinning them down. Yeah, we're getting into this part of the, you know, there's a few days at the start of season. Some Sometimes it's one day and the, the roosters already know the deal. But we're getting into this track season. Like mm-hmm. you want to pump up your Nikes, Ron, and start running. I, for the, you know, like I don't want Daisy to go way, way, way out necessarily because we're trying to film things and I want her. But yesterday, Ron and I were walking this edge and she she would go on point and the birds... And she would stay there, and I, you could tell the birds are running, running ahead, and they just kept on running. So they be on, she'd be on point, and um, yep, Millie's got a cattail. She's working out here, poor girl. I just, I, I don't understand how a dog can run face first through cattails. I don't. Know, I just have never. They're so beat up right now, and yet Daisy, if I flinch, she's like, "All right, let's do this." You know, no. she jumps up. You see her, she wants to go, and I know Millie too. Well, what was I talking about? Oh, the, the way they were running, you know, I told Ron, I said, I'm going to just let her go and see how far she wants to go up ahead. So Daisy points went at 240 yards, you know, and they're just, that's how much further ahead of mm-hmm. us they are. And that's this, that's the reality this time of the year. Well, you, you did don't that have today. a way to stop them no. from running. Your chances with multiple people, I think are pretty pretty slim. You know, you might get one out of every 50 birds that are there. You might only see a fifth or a tenth of the birds that are there. 
just because of the way that they're running. And without the moisture on the ground, it is it's it's challenging That's for even say. even the dogs to to stay on them. I mean, there were there was one time today um, where Daisy goes on this point, and would, there's two ways. You know, when her head's up a little bit, the bird's up ahead. When when she's staring straight down, it's right there. Yep, she's staring straight down. That bird was right there. And she's not going to chase it. She's not going to flush it. But that bird left on its own. I release her. She goes and points it again. Same deal. That bird was right there. And I said, I am going to walk as fast as I possibly can to try to get this bird up. Because I saw this little trail through the grass. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's where it went. So I, I wasn't running, but I went as fast as I could. And that bird, from the from the moment she went on point to the moment I flushed it was you know a handful of seconds. Over 100 yards before that bird ended up getting up. So that just tells you how quickly they're moving up ahead off of those points. And if you don't have a way to stop them, your chances go dramatically down. Now, today, we we outsmarted them. You mm-hmm. laid out a perfect game plan. You had Ron drive around and told him where to go. And did he listen? He went right there. He went right there. He went right there. <laughs> magic. Yeah. He's, he's not so dumb. <laughs> well, got, the second about- time he figured it out. Well, I, what, one thing we said was if you follow Scott's plan and it doesn't work, then you can blame him. And see, you followed your plan and now everyone's calling you out. What plan? I, bl- I blame him anyway. <laughs> what plan are you talking about? Where I was today? Well, what was I want to say no, is there's perfect. a couple times where first last night, Mr. Share maybe doubted me and didn't go to the tree line like, like we suggested. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well then today, Travis, you were like, I, I don't think we should hunt that way. I think we should go yeah. along the crop line. And I said, well... When I've been here before, the birds do this. We have Ron up there. I think it'll work. We go out there, and, and then it, what happened? Yeah, it worked. It worked. It I worked. didn't know that you we had been sitting up there on the hill watching him come in there. Well, I'm, but to I'm my, a savant. And, and that's, the, that's the interesting thing, too, because I love hunting places I've never been, and I, I like to look at the property and say, if I'm a pheasant, I'm probably eating that stubble, oh, that corn stubble. I mean, I looked at the bird last night, all corn in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I'm seeing that cornfield on the other edge. And what I didn't see was the cornfield that you were talking about. You're like, there is crop over there. And I'm like, where? I thought it was like two sections over. And I'm mm. like, I bet you they're going to be over on that side. And it's I, not my first rodeo. And we go about 80 yards and I see a pheasant go flying. I'm like, good for you, Scott. Yeah. I admit when I'm wrong. And I was yeah, definitely I, I'm like someone else. <laughs> Why am I getting these looks? I just, I wish somebody could see you lounging right now. I mean, you're just. Maybe we'll take a picture and we can put it in the, when it we release be. We're going to do a picture of the shower head. Yeah. Actually, I'm taking a picture of that because I want to see if I can find that. <laughs> and then a picture of Ron, full lounge over there. Um, heading into the rest of the season, Scott, knowing how many birds are in Minnesota out in this area here, what are you most looking forward to or excited about? Or what would you recommend for somebody that's coming out this way? Well, I'm most excited for the first snowfall. Yeah, it gets some moisture on the ground, and I and, and for those of us that can hunt when there uh, pheasants where there is snow, to see tracks in the snow and and see it, your dog on those tracks and your it just is very exhilarating. So um, the other thing I would do is if it if it we get rain before we get snow, which is not in the forecast, I'd come out then too because I think the next time there's moisture on the ground. All these places we've been to are holding pheasants, mm-hmm. and um, anywhere from a half dozen to a dozen or more, like the complex we hunted today, I would say 
who knows how many birds there, hundreds maybe, you know, because there's so many places for them to be. But um, that first time we got moisture, I'd go back in there with just Millie and walk around and just mm-hmm. that, that's kind of my, I love hunting with people. I love hunting with you guys. Um, I will say, um, but oh, when you can get that time your with your dog alone, that's special time too. When we got in the truck after we were driving along and, and you could just tell how birdie those dogs were in that giant massive piece. And there was so the, the trails under the cattails were just, I mean, they're just running in there. And there were times where Daisy, like she's on point and then, you know, she, you know, and these birds are just, they're giving her the slip and they're big enough. Then we're, there's just a couple of us. You and I are in there, Ron's um, waiting for us on the other end, but that's important. I mm-hmm. mean, people don't realize how far ahead, you know, when we stopped this morning, I try to tell people that don't necessarily pheasant hunt that much, just how well they can hear you and how well they anticipate what you're going to do and how important it is to approach a property, especially public properties, in a way that you're giving your cha- yourself a better chance, something that other hunters before you haven't done. When we pulled up there, there was grass on both sides. We're going to hunt on the south side. There was grass on the north side. 500, maybe 600 yards after the truck stopped, or away from the truck when we stopped, a pheasant gets up and flies away. And that's just on, that was on private property. Oh, that's the first spot this yeah. morning, yeah. So I looked over at Pete and I said, Pete, you, you know, they were watching this thing fly. And I said, everything on this side of the property knows we're here. And that's the part we're going to hunt. And the the size of the ears on the rooster, I mean, it's amazing how well they hear, they know where you're at, they know which way you're likely going to go because the hunter before you and before you and before you and the hunters after you, and they know the game and they play it really well. But the second you remove their exit, everything changes. And I'm telling you this because I've seen times when we've sent a post or somebody to just go stand on the other end of the field and it stops them from just running straight out. Just standing there, they might stop 400 yards ahead of that poster. But it's the poster that got that bird to stop. That's what people, they're like, no, it got up way, way before we got near the end of the field. But the reality is, and I firmly believe this, Scott, you, you may have seen it or agree or disagree, but I firmly believe that the birds know that Ron was there and stop instead of just running endlessly. There's just like something in their mind that says, crap, I can't go that direction that I want to go. Now your dogs are able to hold them on points. Right. I know. I agree with you. And I think that's why those birds got up last night at the end of the field, even though Ron wasn't exactly where they were getting up. They knew that there was they could hear Ron down there probably talking or whatever, and those birds are running down there. Otherwise, they don't run out in front of them, you know, and they didn't. They got up. Hunting season is here, and North Dakota is one of my favorite places to spend a fall day. That's because North Dakota is a bird hunting paradise. You can hunt both waterfowl and upland birds all in the same day, and North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting. This year, North Dakota has a population estimate of 3.4 million breeding ducks, which is 38% above the long-term average, and their prairie pothole region is smack dab in the middle of the central flyway. Their spring water index 
also came way up, over 600% from last year's drought. The habitat on the landscape looks great, and bird reports are strong throughout the state. With a little scouting, you just might find yourself in a field surrounded by wild flushing pheasants, sharp-tailed grouse, and Hungarian partridge. Plan a legendary bird hunt this fall in North Dakota at legendarynd.com. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma Trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. So it's a strategy that I think uh, anybody heading out pheasant hunting, before we get snow, before we get conditions where it might slow them down or might hold them in the cattails, it pays to go into it with a game plan. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to up your chances of bringing a few birds home. Uh, we are heading back out into the field shortly. Wind be damned. We're doing it anyway. And uh, we proved that. We got a show we have to do, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come hell or high water. I know. Wild birds. And uh, we're going to get after them here. Even though the conditions aren't great, it's still just the fun to be out here. Well, and, you know, and when you have success... It's we embraced it, last yeah, night because yeah, last night we we I had uh, my for me I had eight miles we walked so Daisy did how many more times than that and Millie less yeah. than Daisy because they hunt a little differently but I mean we walked and walked and walked and we had success and today mm-hmm. we had our first bird in ten minutes and right. that was but it was what was interesting is that that bird held it was on the leeward side of the wind. Little sheltered, mm-hmm. and it and it just worked. And and now looking back, maybe there are some other spots down that tree row we should have done gone to see if we'd had some similar success. Yeah, it's it's always fun too. I mean, Millie just it was it's fun for me to, to watch my dog, but it's fun to watch Millie too. I mean, she was out there, and I mean, you're like, oh, she's birdie, get ready, and then poof, there comes this this rooster out of the grass, boom, shot, she's on it, boom, she. It, where that bird landed to where she actually picked it up. Cause I was, I had a great view. Yeah. We were both. Yeah. I did too. I had the vicinity, but she, she had it because it, it was alive still. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was probably 35, 40 feet from where it landed within three seconds. Yeah. When she got there and where that, where she, and I'm like, she's not even close to where it landed, but I just stood back and watched cause I don't want to go interfere and add human scent in there and everything. But I said, like, here comes this bird out of the grass and like, gosh, 
That the was power cool. of a good dog. Yeah, you, that makes it right all right that. there. Yep. To see her evolution, it's it's each hunt is getting more and more. And you hunted with her last year once, I think. And, yeah. But um, it's it's you've seen this with Daisy. It's it's really fun and rewarding. And um, what she has gotten this year is a lot of contacts. She's gotten them here. She got them in North Dakota. And each time it's going into the memory bank and it's mm-hmm. helping her even on those retrieves because we've, we've had birds here where we get like today, we, you know, we get right where that bird went down and we thought it is, and we cannot find it. Yeah. And, um, um, but she has learned to go to those spots and really start hunting, you know, for the down bird when, when we're, when it's not just sitting there. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I think coming back from North Dakota and just, watching the migration, watching the ducks and the geese. And it's just like, just stop and pause for a minute and just to take it all in and just how special it is to see that. And then all the birds out there, you know, driving down the road, it was perfect conditions for birds to be out, but it felt like there were pheasants everywhere in North Dakota. And I'm driving West and the further, or I'm driving East heading back to Minnesota and the further east I go, the less I see. And I'm driving home near my hometown, and I look out on this duck slough, and I see like six geese and I think two coot. And I'm like, gosh. You know, I mean, yeah, where if, are the that, birds? if I would have been in North Dakota right now and that pond would have been out in North Dakota, there would have been 2,000 ducks on it and mm. 5,000 geese. And the fields, I mean, like, I'm not saying I got depressed when I saw it, but. I, it was noticeable. Just, it made me sad. Like, I want to have that. I wish we had that. I think we do have it in some spots. It's just not as broad a range as North Dakota. But I, I think if you start at the South Dakota border and you go east into Minnesota, 40 miles or 50 miles, and then you go, you know, from Montevideo north 40 miles, and then you go all the way down to the Iowa border. Worthington, that's pretty prime pheasant habitat. Yeah. And I have been so encouraged, Travis, since I've been out here to see pheasants out. You know, that that's when you know there's birds. When you're seeing them out yeah. on the road, moving around, even driving today in in windy, god-awful conditions. Ron and I saw two roosters fly across the road. Aaron and Bill saw some in the ditch. They went and got video of them. They're, they're out. Mm-hmm. And that tells you they're... The numbers are very solid. Even in central Minnesota, um, when I came home from North Dakota, my son came running in from the backyard. He goes, Dad, I just saw a pheasant. And you know what? You've got, oh, I've yeah. got this little wetland behind our house. And I'm like, are you sure? Tell me what it looked like. You know, so he describes it. And I go, well, it sounds like a rooster to me. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if he really did see a pheasant. The next day he comes in from the backyard and he goes, Dad, I saw a pheasant. It made that cackling sound that you talk about i'm pretty sure it was a rooster it had a long tail and i'm like god darn it do we really have a pheasant in our backyard now in the grass i haven't taken daisy out there to confirm this yet but i want to start feeding it because there's something about having a pheasant around that it just is exciting it is even though i'm trying to shoot everyone i see tonight it's just not at home just not not at home that's in city limits we're not going to shoot that one um last last thing here you went into this hunting this legends lodge with your buddies what in your mind did you guys or not in your mind but what did you guys do 
for anybody that's thinking about purchasing their own little hunting lodge or house or whatever it might be, camp or just a plot of land or land that you protected your friendship in this purchase in a way that you can all enjoy it, but you're not probably concerned about if something goes wrong. Right. Well, we did, we did a few things. And I think um, when we did the um, Boys of Eden Prairie television show, I had Rob Byer and Jeff Stryker on the podcast, and they talked about this as well with the mm-hmm. partnership. Is um, Which, hold on. You can go back and listen to that podcast it's about one of the, a yeah. year ago, roughly? Maybe, no, or? it was like one of the the first year of the podcast, maybe like episode 10 or 20 or what something. What do you call like it? That. You remember? Uh, the Boys of Eden Prairie, I okay. think. Yeah. Right. Go back and find that one and listen to it if you're interested in this topic, because I know a lot of people are. Anyway, keep going. Well, we we established a, a, a partnership, a limited liability partnership. And um, Greg had an attorney friend, and we had breakfast with him, and he understood we weren't trying to break the bank on this. He said, here's some simple guidelines that I will write up for you, but things to talk about and make sure you all have an understanding agreement on it. Like, what if someone were to pass away? What? How does that work with their share of the place? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the house rules? How are we going to do that? Um, how are you going to handle the bank account, things like that, you know, like you would in a household, but by establishing this and talking about it, it really minimizes the chances where you're going to, um, you know, be in a disagreement over something. Or, you know, if someone eventually goes, wait a minute, we never talked about it. Yeah, we did. Here it is. This is what we talked it's about. All in writing. It. It's in writing. Yeah. And, and it really then takes away most, if not everything that might cause issues in a friendship. Um, and then what we did, we started looking for a place. We knew we wanted a house. We weren't looking for land. This wasn't going to be um, a major investment for us. But we established criteria for that. You know, how many bathrooms do we want? You know, how many bedrooms do we want? Do, do, you know, does it need what kind of yard? We wanted to have, you know, a big enough yard that the dogs, you could let the dogs out and not worry about them getting hit by a car or something like that. So we, it was only about five or six things. And then that helps you narrow down your search too. Sure. So all of a sudden someone sends something like, nah, you know, it only has one bathroom. You know, what, what about this? Now in one bathroom, we decided, okay, move on type of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Anything surprise you since you've purchased it? Yeah. How much I'm enjoying it. Really? Anyway, yeah. I, I, I was late to the party, as I said, and didn't know that I would have that much time to enjoy it this year. And I haven't really been out here that much. Um, But what I got to do with this trip is come out Saturday, hunt a little Saturday, hunt a little Sunday, hunt a little Monday. You guys got here. Ron got here Monday afternoon um, with Pete, our cameraman. We had a nice dinner. We drove around, took some video, um, and then you guys got here. So I've been staying and doing a little bit of hunting every day, which is just kind of fun. And we've been razzing you a little bit because you're, you're like, yeah, I was out here the other day. And, and we're shot like, oh, you shot them already. They're all gone. <laughs> Obviously. Just follow my social media account. You'll see all the yeah, birds. Yeah, there you go. Selfies. Yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, that was that selfie. I can remember. I, I remember that tree in the background there. <laughs> it was, and it was amazing. That's why I'm so just disappointed in the weather because I, I had a public spot, as you guys know, I went in there, had never hunted it. I just wanted to walk it to see if we got any birds up. Millie gets a rooster up, I shoot it. Boom, I'm like, okay, cool. Let, let's get out of here, Millie. And as I'm leaving, 
I see the farmer in the next field over going to start picking his corn. I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm walking out. She puts up another eight birds, and I didn't shoot. They got up. I let them go. Well, then she puts up another rooster right for me. I shot that one. I'm like, Millie, let's get out of here. We're filled out. Let's go. <laughs> it was 9.30, a half hour. And I'm like, yes, we have our spot there for the morning. And we go there. We saw a few birds, but it wasn't the same. I'm like, oh, this is not the start I Honestly, wanted. Honestly, Scott, I think that speaks to the difference in going out on a hunt on your own with your dog. Yeah. It really, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that exact same story. And Ron will tell you that's the curse of the camera too. Yeah, right. But it's, it's, okay, we get there. It's different. You pulled up with your dog. You quietly probably opened the door and just went out for a walk. Here we're orchestrating two cameramen behind us. Where are we going to put Ron? How are we going to get there? Doors are slamming. Vehicles, we're moving. It's a It's It's a a production. Yeah, it is It's completely different. And now the results are... Different. Yeah. You know, and I, I firmly believe there's, you know, the joy of hunting with other people. I love it. There's also something special about just going for a walk with your dog. And I tell you, a lot of times your game bag's a little heavier when you do it that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't disagree. I yep. don't disagree. But I still was a little disappointed. But it is the curse of the camera. <laughs> it is. And being there an hour and a half later, Bill. <laughs> Well, we can't oh, curse at him too look much. At look at this. I wish I, I wish we, this was a video podcast. Bill has appetizers going right now. Pheasant appetizers. We're going to wrap it up right there. Um, appreciate yeah, we you gotta get opening out the field. up. I know we got to hunt too. Appreciate you opening up the Legends Lodge for well, us here. It's, guys, it's, it's great to hunt with the Legends here. around here. Bill's saying thanks over there, Ron's. Uh, any, any party? Bill said thanks. Yep. You, and you? I Ron? say thanks. Yeah. I think, yeah. You think? You know, I was just going to add, um, you you and, and Scott have a dog. Each have a, your own dog. Um, I don't have one anymore. Let me tell you how lonely that is out there walking. Because um, I know over time that who's going to get the birds usually are the guy that has the dog with them. And other, you can, if you're just walking out there by yourself, there are pheasants are either running away from you or they're just crouched and you walk right by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, that doesn't happen so much with the dog. I mean, the dog tells you what's going on. So I'm out there walking around with no dog after 50 years of always having a dog. It's very lonely. Does it make you want to get a dog, Ron? It does, but I have a wife that says... Uh, It'd be, I'd probably be living in this house if I got a dog. <laughs> well, it's interesting you actually listen to your wife because you don't listen to me and you don't listen to Travis and you don't listen to Bill. At least there's somebody you listen to. <laughs> but the beauty is none of us actually listen to each other. No. So we all have no. our own opinions. What? And they all, yeah, exactly. And that's what makes hunting camp hunting camp. So we hope that everybody listening has their own hunting camp. There's birds out there. Go enjoy it with friends. Make some memories. Bring your family along. And uh, take a picture and then yeah. write a little story down on here on your ki- on your uh, table here in the living room. You've got a story and I've already read a few of the or you've got a book. Yeah. Where people yeah. Can well, write I was, was going to add that is I I've just started doing this and this is at listening to my wife who um, got this book. It's what's it's called something about memories and you can whether it's a hunting book, a fishing book or a cabin book. Mm-hmm. Jean started doing this at our cabin about 15 years ago. Um, and it's kind of what you did, how you got there, where did you eat, who did you meet, and then there's a page to fill in all the things that may have happened on your trip. 
And so I have started doing that now with my fishing and hunting trips. And especially for hunting, when you can remember the the people and the dogs that were there. And because, you know, as Ron, you talked about this, you've had 50 years of dogs and memories. And sometimes it's remembers like, oh gosh, was that Raven one that did that or Raven two or three or and for, you know, was that Hank or Izzy? And for me, and, and now I'm writing it down so that the people that I'm hunting with, as well as my own dogs and what we do, you, you remember it. Yeah. And you and it's and it's fun to go back and read it. You know, and it's also fun to celebrate a good day and uh, give out a handout and award. Last night, I got the Big Cock Award. What do you yes. call it? The Big Cock Award. The Big Cock yeah. Award, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a... Cock pheasant, just for those of you who are wondering. <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's a necklace that sports a pheasant head spurs two feet two, two pheasant feet in yes. about six prairie storm yes. <laughs> empty prairie storm and so you get to tell the story about how it all went down and i gave all my thanks to ron because he didn't go to the right spot because if he <laughs> did he would have been the, he would have won the thing that's right he would have won it tonight's award is 2bd cbd you'll have yeah. to watch and find out when we air this episode we'll be back next week with another episode of the flush podcast and it's going to be live in Iowa. Ooh. Ooh. Tune in. <laughs> <laughs>